When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello, cricket badgers everywhere. Welcome along. It's another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast, and it's a normal one today, an interview one. This is a chat I had some time ago with uh, Andrew Edwards from Wrexham. Andrew suffers from autism. I think you'll agree he's a terrific fella, and also it just shows how much cricket can play a part in people's lives. It does through lockdowns, it does through all different types of adversity, and Andrew's autism has been helped no end by cricket being in his life both as a spectator and more recently as a player. I talked to Andrew some time ago and I've been keeping this one back because it's fairly timeless and obviously with all the Big Bash dailies and the IPL dailies and everything else that we've done during 2020, Andrew's interview was uh, kind of on the back burner a little bit and waiting to come out and then Andrew contacted me this morning with some really sad news that his mother has passed away and he's asked if I could just read out a little dedication prior to uh, pressing play on this pre-recorded interview. So this podcast is dedicated to the memory of Andrew's beloved mother, Hazel Davis. 2nd of February 1943 to the 18th of December 2020. She was a heroic, inspiring superwoman and fighter who gave me the gift of everything, including a love of cricket. And that's from Andrew to his mum, who sadly passed away. And you'll hear Andrew referring to his mother plenty of times, actually, during this interview. And if the uh, testimony of your life is what you leave behind, then Hazel has done a fantastic job with Andrew. May she rest in peace. But here is the Cricket Badger podcast with Andrew Edwards. It's that Badger style. 
very happy to say that I'm joined today on the podcast by Andrew Edwards, who contacted me recently, pointed me towards a few articles that had been written about him, and I thought, well, yeah, let's get him on and have a chat to him about autism and how it affects his life and how cricket has been a real healer, really, I suppose. Andrew, is that would that be a, a correct way of saying it? Yeah, it's been a big, a big comfort, especially that and that sense and conditioning training and running and walking locally has got long. And the cricket has been a great stress for me during the lockdown throughout the pandemic. I was going to ask you about lockdown. Yeah. I mean, we're back into the second lockdown now. and I'm not, you see, now, James. I'm, we're finished hours. I'm in Wales. All right, you're lucky then, aren't you? I was, I was finished at one minute past midnight today. Oh, congratulations. So, <laughs> Happy days. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Exactly. I don't want to rob it in. But, yeah, I was finished at one minute past midnight today. You know, today I had pretty regular day today. I've had a driving lesson and a bit in the gym, and I'm recording this podcast, so... So we actually just come out of our 17-day circuit breaker at one minute past midnight today. I know a little bit about autism, um, and forgive me if during this podcast I asked you a question, it's a clumsy. No, no just give me a little bit of an overview about autism and how it affects you. Obsessional behaviours in the past. I, I have had eating disorders, which is quite common, but I never really picked up on that until about oh, two, three years ago when I was volunteering with autistic youngsters. Obsessional behaviours, routine, uh, meltdowns, although I've gone six months out of meltdown now, which is counterintuitive concerns, but probably the most stressful time yeah. during stressful occasion period of life during, well, probably certainly since World War Two. Routine, routine. The bit I've picked up on, I mean, it, from what I, I mean, there's, there's a whole range of autism as far as I'm, I'm aware. It's in the normal spectrum. Yeah, and so you can be you can be really badly affected, or it could be a, it could be a, a sort of yeah. relative minor in comparison. I don't actually think it's minor. I think it's just it's different strokes for different folks to use it in sporting con sporting parlance or sporting context. The most disabled or most the ones who have the condition the worst can be non-verbal. Yeah, they can have very serious physical conditions. Compared to people like Lionel Messi, or arguably the world's greatest football the last 15 years, who's autistic, and Anthony Hopkins, and Robbie Williams, and Marshall Mathers III, Eminem, and Gordon Brown, they're all said to have an autistic spectrum condition. And other people like, more well, cliche people like Albert Einstein or Isaac Newton, it's an enormous spectrum. You could have, like, I use cricket, the cricket or football as, 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 as a context of parlance. The people who are non verbal are probably people who, who just can't play the game or sport. So the people like the Lionel Messi's of the world, who are so-called higher functioning, but people's difficulties will manifest themselves in different ways. There will be certain core traits, such as obsessive behaviours, or having a total and utter focus in a certain career path or interest. Lionel Messi's career path has been football. I think a lot of actors must be autistic and not necessarily diagnosed. Musicians, because to actually be a musician, you have to be quite professional. And also, if there's any ladies listening that may think they're on the spectrum at all, a lot of girls, they say there's five times more, more men than women diagnosed without boys and girls, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's more boys than girls or men than women with autism. It's just, it tends to be the case, rightly or wrongly, that girls tend to be more difficult, but t- t- tends to be 
presume knowledge, presume that it's more difficult to diagnose girls than what it is. Mm. Like. Okay. And and it's something, Andrew, that affects you basically from birth, isn't it? And you get diagnosed yeah, fairly it's, young, it's, don't it's you? It's a lifelong condition, James, lifelong condition. Yeah. You live with it, you die with it, you've got it in between. And the thing is with it, it's very much, like when I was diagnosed, you've probably read this online, I was diagnosed in April 1989 at the age of four. Besh just said to my mother, who's in the next room now, <laughs> said, uh, go home and watch me, man. It is likely your son will be institutionalised, which is a pretty callous thing to say to a mother of a young child. A- a- any person, never mind somebody who's just been diagnosed with a condition that at that time wasn't necessarily the most acknowledged condition going. I was going to ask you, Andrew, about Rain Man. This is probably a very clumsy question, and, and yeah, forgive me, but Rain Man is played by Dustin Hoffman in the film, and Tom Cruise uses him to basically count cards in a casino yeah, and try exactly. to use him to make money and what have you. And yeah. when you came to me and said cricket had been your saviour, I mean, cricket's a massively statistical and game. And obviously cricket, 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 I can, the hours can just drift ahead. Cricket can, and obviously, not just cricket, but strength and conditioning training, but physical um, exercise. Are a big thing as well, which when I play cricket for two seconds in the Foxy County Cricket League, although we're a Wrexham based club, which is in North East Wales, just over the border, I'm probably the least talented cricketer in the team, I would say. Least talented, actually, as a, as a, as a team, probably least talented cricketer in the team. But I pride myself on such other matters, such as my mobility around the field, which I work on in the gym. And trying to help out through things like saving runs and things like that and, run, and, and being mobile. Because, as you're probably cognizant of, James, when it comes to village cricket, especially second, third, and fourth team, fourth team, there's a wide age of range, well, it's basically an entire range of, of life that the players can play an entire team. Uh, we have 13-year-olds and 16-year-olds play with me. Yeah. And like, not this season, the season before, we played one second team, and I bowled one end to a 13-year-old, and the other end is an 83-year-old batting with him. And I just think, that's, I think, well, I, I try and keep more mobile in the field because I'm not the most talented. I didn't score my first run until this year. And I think, I don't know how I've taken eight wickets in the matches I've played, 22 <laughs> matches I've played, because I've got no cricketing talent, no cricketing ability. I couldn't even get my nephew out in the front garden when he was six. But like I said, cricket's a bit of big help to me. If you've taken eight, eight wickets, you've got some talent. I have done this, I can assure you. It's <laughs> a lot. Actually, my average is 32 for the eight wickets. I don't bowl all the time. Yeah. The weird thing is, I have really good strike rate, but I bought some absolute rubbish. Double bouncers, ones that don't hit the cut straight, full bungers, short of work, well, short, the short be pulled away. But... When I do actually take a wicket, I would tell that when I celebrate, I'm like Imran Tahir on acid. I love watching Imran Tahir celebrate, so yeah. Think, think about Imran Tahir celebrate, James, and then times about about 100 or about infinity when you see me celebrate and take a wicket. <laughs> <laughs> In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first-time buyer deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite. They're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. The reason I mentioned Rain Man, though, is because he yeah. was um, statistically minded and cricket is massively about statistics, isn't it? So does that is that something that turns you on? Very much so. Very much statistics are very much... Well, they're, 
the whole point, the whole point probably I've lived because as a broadcast statistician for 11 and a half years at Manchester United Television, which I'm sure doesn't impress you, James, because I've read up on you. I think you're a Leeds United fan. I am. Don't mention United, but uh, nearly United across the Pennines. Andrew, Andrew, there is only one United. Yeah, the red ones don't count. For 11 and a half years, I worked as a broadcast statistician. My memoirs, which were published by Staffordshire-based publisher in 2015, after I was on the Today programme, just on the Today programme, John McMahon did it My memoirs, I have sold 1,100 copies, just over, and I actually entitled, I've got a stat for you, my life with autism, which is often the phrase that my best mate, oh, I don't really want my best mate at MUTV, Michael Shaw, over a shared love of county cricket. He grew up in Nottingham, Notts, and I'm Lancashire. I can probably clean you off yourself, but there's a few reasons I'm I'm Lancashire, because one, it was geographically the closest to where I'm from, Wrexham, and two, I grew up in the 90s, where Lancashire were very, well, one of the, well, probably them and Warwickshire, were the two dominant, what, one day signs in the country. A lot of the England side, certainly in the mid-90s, played for Lancashire. There's lots of cricket in a lot of ways. has gone the corporate way of football just to a lesser degree. Or certainly county cricket, as certain county, shall we say. Lancashire probably being the main culprit of that. But like I say, going back to Rayman, I think maybe we're Rayman. But like, not mentioned but the producers, no, Barry, Barry Sonnenfield, no, was the deep director, whoever directed it. Basically, they were trying to get Everyone into one character, everyone is autistic into one character. Yeah. So it was very much a microcosm of one spectrum condition, which is just impossible to fully articulate. Maybe trying to, it's like trying to say, this person is the archetypal cricketer. Well, I don't know, there's, there's so many techniques in cricket that you can, like who'd say, Shiv and Chanderpaul had a very good technique, but it works for him. He averaged over 50 in test cricket. Steve Smith, probably the best test batter since. So Donald Bradman, uh, and look at this technique, it's not textbook, so that's what the textbook trades with us about the textbook techniques in cricket, but there's a lot that, a lot certainly went, you know, it was just a microcosm trying to fit everyone into one, one character made. Yeah, it was successful, yes, it got more awareness, but it, you're not going to get one archetype of person right. into one character, like you're not going to say, oh, that's, that's, that's the cricket to go by the book because there's more, 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 more ways to skin a cat. So. I, I take it you watched that film. How did, how did it make you feel when you watched that? Once, I watched it once. Uh, we taped it off the Sky movies back in the 90s and I watched it once. And there's also one thing that always sticks in my mind mm. was when there's some, some drops, I think, was it? With toothpicks on the floor in a cafe, one of the cafes he goes to, one of the diners he goes to, uh, it's off toothpicks on the floor, and, and, and they count something on the floor, well, it's not going to happen. And then the, then the waiter goes to, oh, wait, there's four in the box, and he comes to nobody, he, he said it was, which that's not going to happen. It, it's all to try and find, it's trying, to, it's trying to get to the biggest audience, I should have idea of one size fits all, which doesn't work with anything, but it did certainly raise awareness. But then a lot of people, for many years later, expected one person to fit that. that. Uh, Andrew, if I, if, when I get out of lockdown and I take you to yeah. the casino, it's not going to do me any good then. Is that what you're no, telling me? No, I don't gamble. <laughs> I like something that's physical and tangible. I'm not one for downloading music. I'm on for collecting vinyl, collecting CDs. And I've got a thousand vinyl upstairs, about 1,500 CDs. 
and I'm a BBC Six music listener, so I like the tangible product. I don't download music, yeah, because I like the physical nature of vinyl CDs. Is that an example of obsessive behaviour then? The collecting of records. And it could be for anyone, isn't it? Really? Yeah, I mean, we're all—I mean, we're all obsessive in in ways. I mean, I'm obsessed with cricket. Oh, yeah, we yeah. are. But the thing is, when an interest, a firm interest, turns into an obsession, that is when you're probably—you may have where if, if that interest really affects you the point of obsession where it can affect your mood it can give you mood swings it can affect all sorts of aspects of your life because if that one item in your life doesn't go correct say a football score or a cricket result or, or something goes wrong yeah. and it affects you that degree then that would be that's what would happen to someone who's autistic just on that point then i mean I, I would class myself as obsessed with cricket but if a result goes against my team I can bounce back quite quickly and I'll, I'll watch exactly, the next match. I so can, it, I can, but it, I can. Are you, are you saying, though, uh, somebody that's autistic would get a, kind of a really low mood for a while because of that? Generally, but I'll give you an instance, James. I don't, I don't believe United or Manchester United. It's in my memoirs. When I, when, when I followed Manchester United as a child on television because I couldn't go to the matches and all the same, I'm not particularly interested in football now for many reasons, which that's an entire different podcast another day. I noticed in one of the the interviews that you did, you you talk about going to a game and people would assume that with a large crowd around you, that might be a problem, but you don't find that to be an issue, but the music affects you. No, no, no. I'll give you an instance, James. I love going to gigs. Love going to gigs. It's probably the one part of lockdown that's not going to come back. So, well, probably at best, best case scenario in the middle of next year. And that's top-notch. A1 scenario. I love going to gigs. All sorts of genres. Could be classical, could be, could be boom pop, could be anything. Rap and hip hop. Going to watch football matches. Never bothered, never particularly bothered me. Listening to music doesn't bother me. But artificial music that I play over the Tamai at Old Trafford at Lancashire at T20 matches, it's deafening. And it's got worse over the years. How does that affect you? It makes me stressed. It makes me anxious. It makes me, well, my head go, basically, to be honest. My head go. I've been going to a match with my nephew, Lewis, and we've just had to get out of the way because it's terrible. It's, it's, it's just in your head. It's not part of ambience of cricket. And also, I feel if I'm prepared for that beforehand, you're fine. Like a gig, you know what's going to happen. You can play yeah. it, enjoy it. But when you go to T20, yeah, you have to have a bit of carnival of fun and affair. But actually, just to put loud music on that's just awful. It's not the music so much, it's the pitch of it. It's loud, you can't hear the cricket, you can't hear the sounds of the cricket. Like, I'll give you an instance that music, I don't mind when even plays subcontinental theme in the limited overs game. Then the noise made in the subcontinental nations, say India or Pakistan, or past Bangladesh, mm. in a limited overs game, T20 game, come to play Old Trafford or anywhere, and I like to watch, wouldn't bother me. Because that is part of what, that's part of it, the crowd noise. But actually, that, that artificialness, it's, it's horrible. It's just like, creating. Just thinking about it now makes me a bit anxious, to be honest, James, because contacting Lancashire many, many times over there. They gave me a room, they gave me a suite for me and my nephew, but I just ended up watching it on TV. It was that, that bad, it was no different. A lot of people, Andrew, though, if they were in a 2020 crowd, they would hear the music kick in, they'd start dancing, it would be part of their enjoyment of the game. But that's it. it, it? Lancashire, I'll be giving you an instance, James. I've been to Trent Bridge to watch a game, watch games as well. Trent Bridge to watch Lancashire. It's not the same at Trent Bridge, it's not the same. The, the music is not as bad. Yeah. Old 
badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com. Quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com. Together, we save balls. Talking about Lancashire, though, and, and on, a, on a positive note with Lancashire, t- tell me why 2011 was so special. Oh, it was fantastic, game. I had no experience on it. It was the first year that I was a member that I had no expectations of us actually doing anything of winning the championship. We had no superstars playing. We had Faviz Maharufas overseas, and he was left out the side by the year, but he still did really well. He was about 14 players all season. It was 14. And one of them was Junaid Khan, who only played one game, and he was basically better than T20. We switched 14 players all year. It was a very, very proper, t- proper team effort. We had no backs averaging over 40. Paul Horton, or most popular average, was 39. But Matt, I think we got 10 who averaged over 20. Yeah. So between 20 and 39, there was everyone making contributions. And even going in the last day of the season, I'd given up as winning it. I'd just I'm sure on TV, he's Warwickshire. I'm sure following on somehow. I don't see this like I think no, it was Michael Carvey and Neil McKenzie put on a partnership, didn't it? Yeah. I think it was Michael Carvey and Neil McKenzie put on a long partnership. And then it's the afternoon war off, and we're Gary Key, the effects of her out of Taunton. But you must think if Gary Key's actually running someone out, it must actually be our year. <laughs> and then basically, as long as they have from MUTV, I grabbed me, we brought it in London the other day when it comes up on Sky, showing the run out, because it was Sky. I had a camera there, but they were covering live the Hampshire Warwickshire game. Then I thought, this is getting too stressful. So I went for a walk around a local country park, got home, we've, all, we've got the last wicket. And then as it was going on and on, Hampshire were hanging on more and more. It was becoming more apparent that they weren't going to lose to Warwickshire because they batted all day, sitting in the partnership. I think it was in Carvey, McKenzie, McKenzie. And then run rate we started off. We needed about 200 yards to win, 220 something, I think, to win. And in about, we needed to get it about. Five and over, five and a bit and over. And as it went on, you're thinking, we can't, even Lancashire can't mess this up because we've certainly had a propensity over the last, I think you say since the days of Wazi Makrav in the 90s, to messing up any winning position in the run chase, certainly in a knockout situation. And it just came to, we're not going to lose. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And when the winning runs were hit, because Sky were like by then showing it live. Paul Allen was, well, he was commentating on the game at Southampton, and they were, the commentators looking at the game at Taunton, and then the one, I went up the street, I was wearing gym gear, I was going to a gig that night, the Blue Tones in Liverpool, and I went up the street, I was wearing, wearing the gym gear, and I did a Ravinelli running up the street. <laughs> had, yeah, so for for those that don't know what a Ravinelli is, that's a shirt over your head, yeah. isn't it, as you run run along, yeah. yeah. I had Stephen Croft on the um, podcast a couple of, a few, well, a few weeks ago now, and we were talking about the 2011 yeah. season, and he said it was, like you just described it really, it was everybody just stuck their hands up at various stages. Exactly. It was a proper team, exactly. yeah, proper team effort. And apart from Chapel, with Chapel, Keady and Cog all got 50-plus championship wickets, but Hogg didn't come in the side until Hogg was 
is an engine. I think his engine, but I think he was knocked out as well. Until, and he got a shed order wicked to the Hampshire game. I think he got a seven foot. Then after that, Hawk just had to cease to his bike. And Chappell was bowling 90 mile an hour. And the thing was, he was saying, oh, Glenn Chappell, he didn't bowl that fast. If you look back at the archive footage of that of Sky, and I just been against Leicester in the T20 semi-final. He was being timed at 90 mile an hour. Top bowler. And I'm like, Absolutely top bowler. Well, yeah. yeah. He should have played 50 tests in England. So be about bear in mind. Yeah. I bought my best mate, Mike, Mike Shaw, Michael Shaw, was saying about how he should play 50 tests in England. Because then some of the, well, no disrespect, out to their death bowlers we had in, that, in the era before it, of the era he could have played. But I basically think that, you look at the, York, the two Yorkshire games, two closest matches. We had chased down something late on at Egbert. Not much time, we did that. What was nice about Egbert was always his old set. Well, old Trafford always seemed to be a fantastic test wicket, and, and the best world class players will get the best out of it. But at county level, that always, it always seemed to be the pitch, pitch, pitch usually won. You talk about being diagnosed with autism when you were four. When did you find cricket? Six or six. Okay. It was the 1991 Wisdom Trophy. Graham Gooch's England versus. Versus Vivian Mrs. West Indies. Turned out, my mum put me through the TV. A six-year-old autistic. I just go to a di- difficult point in life. Difficult point of, of her life at that juncture. So she just thought, first stress, just sticking with the TV. Little did she know, I was 30 years later, that little, that little autistic boy who was six at the time would be so grateful she put him in front of the TV watching BBC One and BBC Two. <laughs> Listen to Richie Beno. So basically, I've got no, there's no family background in cricket. Only thing is, I passed it on to my nephew. I don't have a big family. I have just basically got seven in the entire family, extended family. My nephew was the first one to play for Manchester University, 15 or 16 in uni, but, but no one's actually played cricket, actually club village cricket, so I did 2018-19 and this year. And I used to pretend I was Alex Stewart turning my back like he used to do and then doing jacks on the spot like I always used to do between deliveries. <laughs> so after that, and then it just developed all the time. In my foot lawn, I mean, my sister's foot lawn next door, we've actually got a bit of the old, old, old Trafford ground. Not the pitch, but the playing surface, playing area. Because in 2008, they re-dug up the pitch and we, and we got, and we got, me and my nephew got a bit each. So you think about Lakers 19 for 90, Warns ball of the century, Orphans 81, Ashes. And I used to say one of those one of those shots didn't go on a piece of my lawn. <laughs> so, <laughs> so basically, I just find it, it's been very much a comfort to me cricket over the years. Football was very much the dominant sport in my upbringing, not going to lie. Probably more than cricket, but I still loved cricket. I'd get all, all hours of the night to watch England, toward overseas. Being honest, I had a career, well, a job slash career in football, but I'd never, ever want to do the same in cricket. With autism, I, I mean, the bit I've read said that, you know, some some people that have autism have difficulties with social interactions, but you, you, you're as chatty as, as it gets. I mean, you don't seem to have yeah, that. Yeah, well, I, actually, Jim, it's had, to be, it's had to be worked out. I've always been quite... That, that's the thing is, though, that's a very good point, actually. It's something that I was trying to make that point of. It's a stereotypical perception that people with autism mm. are very antisocial, very sour, very, well, very insular. I try and be exactly the exact opposite because one, it's my nature. Two, I just like, like the, I give, I give non profit speeches, James, and I like to engage with people when I'm there. Engage with people, talk to them. I just give a rehearsed speech, go through the PowerPoint. Yeah, give the PowerPoint by all means. I'll put the videos on, the clips of the gym, and when I was on the Today program. But I can engage with them face to face because a lot of people that are autistic, they do these speeches, don't engage as well. These people are charging hundreds of times hundreds of pounds a time and I'm just like I do my non-profit I do it for free in fact 
I'd, I'd like to bring perception regarding it, and it's something I do feel I don't fit the stereotypical part of autism where yeah. people seem to be part of antisocial. And people are, yeah, I come across some autistic people. Yeah, they're like miserable so-and-so, but a lot <laughs> of my mates aren't autistic. Like, because one of my best mates was a professional footballer. He played for Leeds United in the mid-80s, then he went to Bradford. A lot of my mates were from Kevin Jury when I was a teenager, just supporting them, got the latest to have go to training. I'm from Manchester United Television. And I got other mates as well. And I've got a wide, wider range of mates now because I like to be sociable. Like Bob Hoskins famously said on the BT commercial of the 90s, it's good to talk. <laughs> but basically, I find it's going to break down the perception that people have regarding autism. Because I don't like to think I fit into this narrow well, perception that people. People think, oh, you don't talk very much, you're autistic. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, we all have confidence issues. We all have anxiety. And certainly with autism, mental health and anxiety tend to go hand in hand. Mental health issues and anxiety go hand in hand. The thing is, I just find that, I just find that basically, I don't really relate to a lot of other, the, 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 the stereotype stereotypical people like the other, other speakers who are autistic. I just, I don't really understand them. I don't, with, with very different yeah. outlooks, very different. Happened on the way when I was about 23 since what championship manager in 2001 2 season. But a lot of people are autistic, and just a lot of professional footballers as well. But not just all people autistic, spend all day on a computer game, but not a waste of time. There's so much more to do. And, I, and I'm a firm advocate, James, of people who are autistic leading a more active lifestyle. Like, I don't know if you've read the news today about a Down syndrome young gentleman in America who's become the first person with Down syndrome to, to start and complete and undertake an Ironman. He did in 16 hours, 20 and 20, 21 years. And not, ju- and not just with, with other conditions like Down syndrome, nothing to do with all. Because I mean, just people with disabilities generally. I'm a firm advocate of, of an active lifestyle. And because it helps me, it helps your mind, it helps your it helps your physique, it helps your body. And also, I find that's what's got me through lockdown as well as cricket, being very physical. But statistically, James, there's some research, I used to be used to my speeches, is the average age of someone with, or someone with so-called high-functioning autism is 16 years less than the average in the United Kingdom. And I think that's down a lot of the time, so not always the most active lifestyle. And some of these people just aren't encouraged. So I encourage you, but then, you've got to find the correct environment for it but for your training. That means whether it's a cricket club, whether it's a football club, whether it's a gym, you've got to find the correct environment, which I'm lucky to say now, I am with Church Seconds, and I am with number one house of performance, my gym, the gym I, I get coached at. That doesn't always happen overnight. You've got to be persistent with it. You've got to find the right one for you. With Church, I felt... I felt lucky, but I did my research, to be honest. In terms of cricket then, I mean, it's obviously helped you massively. It's helped you meet other people, I uh, guess, as well. I mean, that's part of sport, isn't it? You, you get your teammates and you create bonds. I've looked at your the articles that have been written about you. You've met a lot of people too, as well, famous people. Yeah, I think the only ones I've met that I would like to meet are Matthew Maxam and Steve Waugh. 
I don't necessarily want to play a bit of a game, but if you name players, all-class players, certainly of a lot of years, and ask me if I've named them, the chances are a lot of them I have, to be honest. That, that could be a very long podcast, Andrew. <laughs> I know it could, because they just did. But that's the difference between cricket and sports that don't take as long. In cricket, you have time to roll down. Like, I don't know if you remember, James, back in the day with the old back in the days training days with England, I used to just turn up and basically just stand there, no one was there, and you get all the autographs, you have your pictures with the entire team. I was about the youngest person there, and I would have been, would have, I would have been in my 20s at the time, the teens and 20s, a lot of them were like old school autograph hunters, they were the only people there picking up all these world-class England players, and this is prior to when they, when they were before behind Sky, and after it went on Sky, the only year it was different was the old five Ashley, but I was out of a chicken year. I've also on cricketers to be, oh, certainly before recent times, now I'm a bit old for it, but certainly when I was in my teens and 20s, teen and most of my 20s, it was so much more easier to approach a cricketer than it was in a lot of other sports. Who's your favourite cricketer that you've ever ever come across then? Who's been the best here? Uh, a few positive stories about Andrew Flintoff. Yeah. Actually, probably my, probably my favourite cricketer of all time. There's probably a few. Probably Andrew Flintoff, to be honest. You, you once sponsored me 10 quid for a sponsored run at my school. Jordan Limited Overs in South Sri Lanka on the 4th of July 2002 at Old Trafford. And he paid up, paid up. And then he even lost that game. But uh, he uh, paid up. And then I did, did, did it for my school because the school minibuses were burnt down by arsonists. When I became a Lancaster, I, I used to bump into him. He used to remember me. Hola, Andrew, how are you doing? When I was growing up, Alex Stewart was always very friendly. And I find NASA things always been very friendly as well. Very friendly. And like with my memoirs, I did get a positive, positive, te- very positive testimonial off my classes. He sent me a lovely email and I got a positive testimonial off him for my memoirs. And also, because of my memoirs, it's not pretty face. I've never met the book, but I had, a, I had a positive testimonial of a World Cup when it World Cup rugby union World Cup when as well I had autism in the family World Green World. And basically, I'd say Flint's office the one who's made the biggest mark on me personally but one thing that I really find the difference has been watching Lancashire now you probably know this James because you know how the grounds are set up is the pavilion players always used to come out the pavilion always used to come out the pavilion it was easy Graeme Swan there's a good one as well play a great story about Graeme Swan in there. Uh, basically players used to come out the pavilion but now they're in the media centre across the way and no one can get near them so that's a big disappointment I don't do the social for myself because I've had a great run of that. I think it more for the youngsters growing up today, certainly following Lancashire or going to watch England train there. I might not have some England, but to Lancashire, where you can't actually gain that necessarily that maybe rapport with your heroes that you've always been able to. So, well, like Graham Swab, he was playing for not in a rain-infected limited overs game at Old Trafford in the second May Bank holiday of 2006. I mean, him actually telling stories about the charlatans on the balcony. Which is quite good. In terms of your autism and how important cricket is to, to you, if I was to say today to you, right, cricket's cancelled, there's no, going to be no cricket anywhere for the next 20 years, how would that affect you? I don't know, really. There's no cricket for six, there's no cricket for four months, was there? No cricket for four months. I don't think 20 years that would ever happen, but yeah. I'm, ba- I'm banning it, Andrew. I'm banning yeah, it, so it's never going to be around. Eventually, you'd adapt. You'd have to adapt. You'd have to learn. You'd have to. You'd have to adapt because when it gets to that stage with with with, with an actor, you have to learn to adapt yeah. and to manage. Let's go to the real part of it. Then you mentioned the four months where cricket was had disappeared. Yeah. Did that did that upset you? It's been difficult. The first weekend I was supposed to play. I was supposed to play against Hinstock first team in Division Seven. It was our first game in Division Seven. 
I think Stock used to play in Division 2 of the Soccer League, but they got relegated. But actually, if you look it up online, there's a very interesting write-up of the Guardian, Guardian website in Stock Cricket Club, about their, their surveillance of Stock with Soccer County Council on the ground. This was playing their first game. Yeah, what, at the first that they was really bit tough, to be honest, bit tough. I've been for a month, and I was just sitting outside, I was texting a couple, texting a couple of my cricket teammates, so, there's just two I just had the one time. So, yeah, I knew one, one of them would really find it a bit more difficult. Anyway, so I knew what I thought, I thought, you know what, I, I, I don't think I'd assume Chris going with the, with the team, with the, one of the, with the with, we've got two teams at Chirpin, Zoom Chris with a mixture of the first and second. I got involved in the group chat, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an active member of the club group chat, and the Zoom Chris is on a Saturday night, you're on the, you're on the proper, what I class as the proper, proper lockdown, where very much it got me through. You know, the highlight of my week, the Zoom Chris on a Saturday night with the Chirpin Cricket Club. It was nice to see their faces. It was nice. I got to know a few more of them that I hadn't played with in a different way. I've given them some skills. I don't, you might have read this online about me. I made them, I seem to make a bit of an instant impression wherever I go. Hopefully I'm positive, usually. Well, first game to cheer, second, was in split in second, but we're still in the North Wales League. Took back on the Monday May in 2018. I've written three books, but basically I took these books with me to my first game at uh, the three years called Hollyhead Road. I mean, there's one lady there called Mrs. Kelshaw. Got talking to her. She's talked to different ladies. She's talked to everyone for ages. We batted first, so it gives you more time, chance to talk, doesn't it? Okay, but it's good that it gives me that time, that bit of distance to my family. So they, they can spend some time doing other stuff. And I can spend some free time as well. I've been amiable, my amiable self. Anyway, well, six overs in, catch comes to me from a batsman called Kataragan and Sundaram. Umpire Ben Kataragan was a top, top test cricketer of his day. Ben Kataragan and Sundaram hit somebody in your house, dropped it. Went and got my flock of hat. Two overs later, much more tougher chance. Grabbed it, knew I was going to get it, and I caught it. And all my teammates wanted to go, but I, I'm off. I'm off. Running around everywhere. Just top of the world. And when it was the presentation evening, I'd only played four games. Funny Phillips was giving the speech, he's, he's on the committee, on the board. I said, this, like, this person zest for the game, this sports person shift the game. That's not my me, either. Feel more sensitive. That's not my me, either. Looking on the roof, looking around everyone, thinking, that's not my me. So I got the third sort of part of things. Oh, my God. I've won this trophy. I've won the Dave Council Champagne Moment of the Season Award for my first ever game. And that meant so much because it seemed to be that my teammates and well, everyone in the club seemed to take me to their heart and still do this day just for me being me. I've not put any airs or graces on. I've just been me. I've just been me. I've, I've, I've never had the mortis. Right? I've, I've never had the mortis. Right? I believe that creates issues, not just for the person who's on the spectrum, but for people that people you meet, you've got to be open, I'm autistic, why should I hide it, it's the way I've been brought up, so I, I went in there, it's just me, me, and that was very much, it meant a lot that talk, I've got, it's on, it's on my table, obviously you can't see now, because this is an audio, but I'm in, I'm in my front lines now, and that trophy's on there, it's along with my Manchester United Redheads quiz trophy winner, when I was 18, on a new TV, and as a quiz TV, along with my Washington National Young Volunteer Trophy, my powerlifting trophy, and my mum's dancing trophies, that American dancing trophies. And that trophy went more, because I just, I got no ability at cricket, I got no talent, I, I, I just was me, Dollar Wolf. I think I almost cried when I got that trophy, because it meant so much to me, because I was just me, but just be yourself, don't hide who you are, don't hide who you are, be yourself, whoever you are, and that's all you can be. 
Well, I'll tell you what, it's been absolutely brilliant, Andrew Edwards, to have you on the Cricket Badger podcast today. You've been one of the easiest interviews I've ever done, because I just set you off and you're away, aren't you? It's yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you've got a lot of editing to do later, James. <laughs> you, you're fantastic. Some brilliant answers, and it's a, a credit to you that you've you've done what you've done. Cricket's brilliant for everybody, but it's obviously helped you no yeah. end. And, uh, and, I, and I think, to be honest, to get to another stage, I, I think cricket, ostensibly, certainly at village level, my level, can be the most inclusive all we have Look, a girl that plays, she's autistic, she's younger than me. We have a young Bangladeshi lad who plays. We've had people in the 60s play. My captain's in his, well, my captain is with my captain, he's 50. And parents and children played together and, and siblings played together. And I still think it's something I want to do in the future, volunteer the church cricket because I've got some well necessarily doesn't mean they'll be accepted or anyway. I got some ideas about trying to like if possible help the club be as inclusive to us to everyone in the North East Wales community or to the Vexen County community yeah. North Oxford that they have been to me. That's fantastic. Because I don't know if you've got children, James, I don't know. I don't mean to cry. But certainly if you've got even a lad or a girl at village level, say you, 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 you're, I'm guessing you're about 45 looking up, 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 up online. If you've got a ch- child of senior school age and older, senior school age, and you're, one of you's working hard in education during the week, another one's work, you're working hard in, in work, and you don't get to spend that much quality time. And it's the same for mothers as well. I'd say playing cricket together in the summer for a village club but the correct village club for you like the correct training environment for me with the gym it doesn't just happen overnight you can, you can go two or three places but it has to be the correct one correct one for you the way you feel most comfortable and included well I'd say if you find the correct one it's one of the best things to do I used to think oh I don't have time to play cricket I was watching all the Lancashire so I didn't have time but it's one of the best things I've done in recent years is to find your cricket your seconds cricket club We've got to try and become more inclusive to British, Asian, minority, ethnic people. We've got to be more inclusive to people with disabilities, ladies. And that's why I, I'm a firm advocate of more inclusivity because I, do, I hate it being a lot of a council stay, even though we own our home and I, I'm paid off all the money. I find it abhorrent that so many of the England cricket teams are from private, private or independent education backgrounds because not only is that not a fair representation of the local cricketing of other cricketing public. It's, not a fa- it's nowhere near a fair representation of British society. I think it's it's wrong to say it's abhorrent because I think it's not the fault of private schools. Private schools are playing cricket exactly. and doing it right. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it, it's the it's the state schools that need to be um, kicked up the backside, isn't no, it? No, I don't think the state schools. I think it's more to do with the government. Well, the yeah, but that's what I mean. The, 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 the investment into sport at the grassroots, including in yeah, schools, needs to be looked at. Yeah, I, I'm not just schools, but clubs. I think, to be honest, James, I don't know. I'm guessing your area is more of a cricketing area than what it certainly is in North East Wales. But I, I've always found that any sport, if you want to play, it's got to be down to the club. It's not down to schools. That's the schools are there to, as, a, as a taster, taster to get someone interested, get someone that bite, get, get, give them that bait and get that bite, use a certification terminology. But I think certainly the club, I think the money to go down to village clubs because not just for group, not just for building players for higher, higher honours, but just for getting more people involved. All that money on the hundred, but now the ECB is suddenly in financial trouble, could have been used for, for, for clubs. I'll tell you what, Andrew, cricket is a fantastic sport and it needs to find a way. Um, inclusivity is the word and, and you're right, it needs to find a way to make sure that it's as exactly. inclusive as possible to exactly. all sexes, all, all creeds and colours. 
one thing I would say about cricket compared to any other team sport, be it rugby union, rugby league, football, the way I think cricket can be more inclusive is youngsters can play with all people, older people. People of 13 players on the ATC at the game I told you about I played in 2019. That's where cricket has big attachments. When I take pride in my physical fitness, not everyone playing village cricket is able to, but they play for the sheer love of it. And the thing is, it can be inclusive that way. That's where cricket should look to. It should look at so many ways you can work, you can work this. It could be in a, a, a six-pack documentary series. Good with you, to be honest, talking about this. But yeah. Uh, it's, a big, it's a big subject, Andrew. It's a big subject. It's and and, and cricket, cricket can't afford... I mean, the clubs that... Are, good at what they do can't afford to be complacent and those that aren't quite good enough need to find a way to be better Andrew Edwards it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Cricket Badger podcast thank today you, I, it's I, will, an absolute pleasure. I will have you back in the future I am sure but for now thank, thank you. you very much for joining me thank you it's that Badger style Thank you very much indeed to Andrew for sparing me the time a few weeks ago to talk to me on the Cricket Badger podcast. It's always nice to get stories like that, just inspirational kind of chats with people who just use cricket as an outlet, as a love. It's a passion. It's something that just gives them a bit of joy in life and a focus. I'm sure you've all enjoyed the chat with Andrew Edwards on this edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. Hopefully you're enjoying the Big Bash dailies as well as we go through the tournament down under. And stay tuned because there is a Christmas two-part special coming out on Christmas Day. It's a little bit of a look back through the year because I have spoken to so many people during the year 2020. The Cricket Badger podcast has kept me sane to some degree. So I've picked out my 10 favourite clips from the year 2020 and hopefully you'll enjoy a little bit of a trip down memory lane on Christmas Day. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, give it a like, give it a nice comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen to it on. And thank you to Blue Croc Adile for their support of the Big Bash dailies that are going on at the moment. If you've not listened, have a little bit of a listen. It's by the fans, for the fans, some fan representatives representing their teams in the Big Bash and talking about all things cricket on that as well. The Blue Crocodile supporting that, snapping up the right mortgages for you. Give them a visit, bluecrocodile.co.uk. But thank you very much indeed for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. I've been James, the Cricket Badger, and I'll see you next time. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.